I'm Malia White, real-life bosun and cast member on Bravo's Below Deck Med. Working in my industry can be very interesting. These are my stories. As you'll find out, my world is a total ship show. Okay, so welcome to Total Ship Show. We have a special guest. This is Becky Wyness. Am I saying the last name right? Wyness? Yep, Wyness. And she is a command master chief with the U.S. Coast Guard Sector Miami. Becky, first off, thank you for uh, coming on to Total Ship Show. Thank and you. Thank you for the invite. This is super awesome. You'll just have to first explain to us exactly what a command master chief is. It's a very badass title, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I work at Sector Miami. I'm the command master chief. Um, Basically, our area of responsibility is from Miami to Fort Pierce. Um, We've got 16 subordinate commands underneath us. Um, And really, uh, my job is to to look out for people and make sure that the people are being taken care of, got the things that they need, um, any improvements that we can make, um, you know, at a little larger of an organizational um, area that, you know, I kind of help with that process. So um, trying to give you an example, but maybe logistically, if the the crew's not getting something that that they need, I'm a resource for them to reach out to. And we've got um, 753 active duty members between here and Fort Pierce. I would assume that Miami is one of the largest in the U.S., right? It is. People-wise, it's the fifth largest. Um, And then the other part of my job is I work directly with the sector commander. Um, So the sector commander, also known as the captain of the port, currently Captain Cedarholm. He is directly responsible for everything that happens in between here and there. And, you know, I work side by side with him. Uh, but again, I'm kind of the eyes and the ears of everything that happens at the deck plate level just to make sure that people are taken care of. So you're the people that crew love. <laughs> um, and how long have you, you know, been I've tried to, I've in tried, the Coast Guard? I've been in the Coast Guard for this, sum, this coming summer. It'll be 24 years. Have you always known you wanted to be in the Coast Guard or what was your path like getting to here? Um, I grew up in Minnesota in literally the cornfields of Minnesota. Uh, Didn't know what I really wanted to do as an adult, Um, but graduated high school, left a month after I graduated high school, went straight into the Coast Guard. Um, Almost joined the Army when I was 17 years old. Nobody would sign for me to join the Army, so... Um, my counselor at school, which happened to be my friend's father said, you know, why you got this time where your parents aren't signing for you? Why don't you look at the other branches of the service, potentially the Coast Guard? And I was like, wait, the Coast Guard. I was like, what, what in the world are you talking about? And, you know, people from Minnesota are like, uh, lifeguards, like, what are you talking about? Um, so that's when I was at least introduced to the Coast Guard. And, um, you know, from the aspect of talking to the recruiter, it was, uh, you know, a couple of questions were asked me, like, uh, you know, Army versus Coast Guard. It's like, do you want a hot meal? Do you want a hot rack to sleep in every night? Uh, you know, those kind of questions. You want to take a shower mostly every day, you know, depending on if your water system goes down. And I'm sure, Malia, I'm sure you know all about that one. You know, any kind of the systems go down, you just never know. Uh, but in general, yeah. you always have a hot shower, the kind of things that enticed me. Nice. And saving people. Uh, that was the biggest thing, you know, like, um, what is the biggest thing that the Coast Guard does is we do uh, really re- revolves around saving people. So um, that snagged me like no other. You know, I was just like, this is such a, a great organization to at least consider going into. I okay. think a lot of people that are listening, like this is a career that 
you know, a lot of people are interested in or I, okay, this is cheesy, but do you know them? Of course. Do you know the movie, the guardian? Yes. Okay. I watched that and I was like, that's it. I want to join the Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think hearing like what it's really like and where you travel to and stuff, that would be great. Yeah. We're, we're um, currently hiring. So if you want to change career paths and come over to the Coast Guard, um, we're, we're happy to help you out there if you want a, a career change. Um, I'll think about but, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I left Minnesota, um, 1999, a month after high school, went to Cape May, New Jersey, did eight weeks of boot camp at Cape May, New Jersey, um, got assigned to Station New Orleans at a small boat station. Um, so I was an E2 when I reported to New Orleans. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do, but a bunch of people that kind of took me under their wing said, um, you'd be a good boat mate. Um, and I was like, I don't really know what, what the rates in the Coast Guard do. So I was like, well, sounds great. You know, like, what do I got to do to start? And the <laughs> BOSA mates, like, from that level, they're like, you clean the boats, but then you, like, progressively, like, move into, like, painting, maintaining, corrosion protection. But ultimately, mm-hmm. a BOSA mate drives the boats, rescues the people, um, heavily in yeah. law enforcement. So, um, you know, we at the time, we had these uh, PQS is personal qualification uh, standards. And you just go through the sign-offs. And as I'm going through the sign-offs, I'm like, well, this is fun. I could do this. Left New Orleans, went to San Diego to a 110 foot ship. Uh, we patrolled from San Francisco down to Central America. Uh, definitely can relate watching the show, you know, with a small amount of people and just that camaraderie and that kind of family. Um, I love, I love that about, you know, just kind of taking me back to my memory lane. Um, May of 2004, we got selected and directed to go to Operation Iraqi Freedom to take a 110-foot uh, ship to the Persian Gulf. So we um, we went there for a year. It's been a journey for sure. So I have kind of a silly question, but does everyone in the Coast Guard have to do, you know, like, do you have to do a physical fitness test that requires a lot of swimming? Or is it not, or they're specifically rescue swimmers and then... Like, does everyone right. have to be There's, a good swimmer? We, so we all have to like pass the boot camp test of like the minimum standard okay. to swim, to stay afloat. And then we have a distance that we have to swim. Because I was like, I love the Coast Guard, everything that you do, but there's not a chance I would pass that swimming test. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't pass the, the <laughs> um, rescue swimmer test. There's no way. And what does it like, entail? I think it's pretty close to the, um, you know, I, I'm a boat person. So, uh, you know, we, yeah. we focus on the boat side of the house, um, you know, yeah. just like, just like a bosun, even though I've never been titled a bosun, a lot of the jobs I've had like first lieutenant a couple of times. Um, and we do have to train people to be a surface swimmer um, from a ship mm-hmm. and from a small boat. So you do have to go through a little bit of extensive swimming. Like you have to be uh, on a reel attached to the boat and they basically allow enough line to go out for you to swim to say rescue a person that maybe the boat can't quite get to. Um, yeah. but besides that, like in my part of what I do in the Coast Guard, yeah, not 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 that hardcore guardian uh, test. You're staying on the boat. <laughs> that would be me too. <laughs> um, have you been in pretty rough seas then? The the size of the ships that I've been on are small. So I've been on a hundred and ten oh, okay. foot, eighty seven foot, and then I've been on. Uh, the Mackinac up in the Great Lakes, so an icebreaker. Uh, yeah. That was one of the coolest experiences, but not rough seas. Uh, but I would say the roughest seas that I can recall being in 
Um, my tours off of the West Coast, gosh, we, we got slammed at times. And I remember the Gulf of Tuanapec, very, very, very uh, particular to be in the roughest seas that I have ever been in. You, you know where the Gulf of Tuanapec is? No, where no, is it? No, actually. Right, right off the West Coast of like Central America, Mexico, um, where it just kind of, you know, curves in just a little bit towards Central America. Um, definitely the roughest seas. That's the and worst we when you're we on the boat and you to... know it's going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I told this master chief one time, I said, this master chief, he was like, uh, we're going to make 20 knots. And he would, he would do like night orders and you, you know, follow the night orders, master chief sleeping. So I was like, I called him up. I was like, Hey, master chief, we're about ready to go around point conception. Um, you want me to bring it back a little bit? And he's like, nah, we're good. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Are you sure? He's like, no, we're good. And then we, we went around the point and this little 87 footer um, just got slammed and we don't have fin stabilizers or anything. So it was like, okay, we lost our engines due to suction as soon as we started hitting the waves. Mm. So then the engineers had to fire up the engines again. And I was like, Hey, master chief, can we bring it back now? Please. Oh my gosh, that is wow. terrifying. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> You're like, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my god. Maybe gosh. a little bit. Hmm. Well, I'm sure Becky, there's a ton of like rough waters, but I'm also so curious to hear any of the like wild survivor stories or rescue stories mm-hmm. that you have, or you know, that your, maybe your colleagues have experienced. You know, I I've had a couple opportunities over the last couple of months to really like reminisce over my career and. It's just, it's so much for so long. And it's like, uh, what are those, those things? What are those cases that, that really are like those, those uh, just good stories to tell. And, you know, I haven't done the search and rescue in law enforcement for about five years. And and before that, like I was leading the station. So I wasn't always doing it hands-on. So, so I do have a little break, but it's like, when I started thinking about it, I was like, I thought about some of the cases that I ran in like New Orleans and, and Gulfport, Mississippi, where these guys would get like stuck in the marshland. And when you're in this marshland, like nobody can see you. And a lot of times the the helicopters will pick up the word help written in the beach. So the little bit of wow. sand that they have, they'll draw out help. And I can't tell you how many pictures that the aviator sent me that they were flying over an island or just even a tiny little patch of sand saw help and was able to dial in where that person was. A lot of times too, like they, they bury themselves in the sand so that the sun didn't, um, you know, literally cook their skin all day so they could stay cool. And I can't, I just can't tell you how many cases like that. And um, my most recent, like in my job now, like I can go out on the boats and, I can, you know, take a ride with a boat cruise and just check in with them. A lot of times that's how I get to know what's actually going going on. You know, if there's any issues that maybe somebody's not bringing to my attention, the boat crew is going to tell me when I'm out there on the water with them. So we had taken a trip across uh, Alligator Alley and we have aids to navigation over in the Naples and uh, Marco Island area. So I run the boat crew with them and the, the prior sector commander here. And we're just like, this is so fun. Me and her, we really didn't get to go out on the on the boats too much. So it was like this uh, super exciting trip that we were planning together. 
So we go out, we start working these aids to navigation, which is essentially like, um, it's not as exciting as search and rescue. It's not as exciting as law enforcement, but you have a very important job. And we're out there and the captain's on a phone call because, you know, the captain's just nonstop taking phone calls, running business around the sector. And um, all of a sudden I'm like, uh, I think we have a, I think we have a SAR case, which is a search and rescue case. I think we have a SAR case. And the captain's like, yeah, we definitely have a SAR case because whatever, <laughs> whatever uh, phone call she was taking was a big deal. And I was like, no, I think we have a SAR case. And I said, do you all see that? And there was a pontoon, um, you know, trucking along good enough to make a wake. There was this person being drugged behind the pontoon. And I was, there's no boats anywhere around, no people anywhere around. And I was like, we, we just need to dial in on that boat, just drive towards the boat. Nobody could see it. And I was like, there's definitely somebody being drugged behind that boat. So the closer we get, finally the boat crew said, oh, I see it. I see it. And um, this guy, I guess he went to go swimming and the ladder getting back up on the pontoon was broke. So he couldn't get on. And their best idea was to drag this guy on this little piece of rope hanging from the back of the boat, which is right next to your propeller and drag yeah. him to the beach so he could get off on the beach. And I'm like, oh, You're my God, inches from this propeller that's operating at a pretty uh, swift pace. So we came in and we were like, hey, hey, Coast Guard, you know, honking the horn and doing the blue lights. And finally, you know, the person brought it back and uh, was like, what? And I was like, you're you're dragging a guy behind you. Oh, it was, my it was, gosh. Uh, it was such a fun experience to be like thrown back into that environment that I haven't done in five yeah. years. And it was just like we do it on such a clockwork rhythm that it's like um, everything just naturally and even to the point of like, we have to get the people's information and like call the case in. And this uh, this boat crew, their their main focus is aids to navigation. So I was like, we have to call this into the command center and report this as a search and rescue case and get it logged. And the one guy, he was so excited, uh, this, this Coastie <laughs> that was on a boat crew, he got the search and rescue number, the case number tattooed on his leg. Oh my and I gosh. was like, That's you did what? <laughs> That is funny. That's yeah. That's, yeah, yeah was, but you could imagine. I could imagine that for those guys that do like AIDS navigation, that's a little bit of excitement for them. Mm-hmm. It's funny. We just we just interviewed uh, a qualified captain, and that sounds exactly like something that would be on his page. <laughs> the stuff you see out there oh, just sure. amazes me. You know, you see just the same amount of stuff as we do. I'm sure sure of it it's like what is that person doing well and becky for that search and rescue that like you were seeing it with your you know like with your eyes but was it a totally different call that the captain was taking at the time it was a totally different call typically we're called out typically we're sitting here on duty and i just say this in general as like coasties you know we're waiting for for somebody to call in and ask for help and then we go into action uh, there are times where it happens like that, where it's like we are on the water and just coincidentally come across somebody that we're in the right place, the right time. Like San Francisco, we were getting the ship underway and a sailboat overturned within probably 400 yards of where we were at. So, Becky, I have a question. So and I don't know like if you can answer this or not, but um, like with us, as we're navigating around Florida and off that coast, we have just noticed that there's been a large number of, you know, boats asking for help there, you know, of, of migrants. They're coming in and they're 
migrant boats that are overturning or they're needing assistance because there's tons of people in them. That's something that the Coast Guard deals with on like a daily basis Mm -hmm. now out of Miami, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Do you feel that it's becoming more frequent? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's definitely changed changed the pace of our operations here and um i don't i don't know the numbers but i know that they're exponential you know as far as uh, what we're responding to right now it just seems like every day i'm reading another article about a boat somewhere off the coast and i just i feel my heart goes out to these people because they don't they try they get in these boats and they don't have life jackets or anything which just Mm -hmm. terrifies me we worked a case um this was 2004 probably 2003, where we, when we would go south on the patrol boat from San Francisco or from San Diego, in this particular one, it was south from San Diego, we pull into uh, Central America, we pulled into Guatemala, El Salvador. And while we were there, we got some intelligence that there was a, a pregnant woman out to sea. And, you know, it's just like, uh, that's, that's not a whole lot of information. And we really thought, yeah. like, there's no way we're going to find anything out here because there's no description of the vessel. There's there's really nothing. And we ended up finding the boat with the pregnant woman on it, on board, and it had 109 people on a very small uh, wooden vessel. And it, it, it's crazy still to this day to think that with that little bit of intelligence that we had, there's a pregnant woman out to sea. And we just happen to come across this. And you, you know what stuff looks like from a distance at sea? Like you don't know what it is until you get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. You know, off on the horizon and you see this thing and you don't know what it is, but you know you typically don't see things in the amount of sea state that you're in. Because when you're in large seas, there's very little you see at sea. There, there's mm-hmm. very little that you actually, because it's just white caps. And, you know, unless you're picking up something big on radar, um, you know, it's in this wooden vessel, it was so small, like our radar wasn't even picking it up until we got into a good uh, view of this is indeed a boat with just so many people on it. Um, So, yeah, at at final final uh, person count, it was one hundred and nine. And then this, um, you know, I, I always said one hundred and nine and a half. Um, because this pregnant woman. So it's really super crazy. Job well done. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like a needle in a haystack, isn't it? Like, you know, they, they were broke down at sea. There was no way if we found them, if we didn't find them, uh, you know, I, I still to this day believe like um, they probably um, wouldn't have survived. So, um, you know, going out with that, just that little bit of information and being able to successfully, um, find those people. It was it was uh, def- definitely one of my proudest moments in my entire career. Uh, mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's plenty of cases we run. You know, we run. I, you know, I don't know where my spouse is. They haven't returned from this voyage, and they were supposed to be home six hours ago. And sometimes you'll find their trailer at the um, boat ramp, and sometimes you won't. But you know, if you don't find the trailer at the boat ramp, chances are they're on land somewhere. And we usually can. Um, you know, deduce, you know, we can go through those processes to find like, where is that person likely to be on land? And then we send somebody go, to go and look and, you know, they're, they're usually there. Yeah. You hear like, you hear about the big rescues, but 
there's all these day-to-day ones as well that the Coast Guard's just constantly working on. And it's just so interesting. I mean, I live in oh Colorado, Becky, so totally land landlocked. And it's just interesting to hear the stuff that goes on that in Colorado, we, we never hear about any of this stuff, really, you know, unless we're reading national news and read these stories. But it's just fascinating. We were just doing a Dangers at Sea episode and we were talking about how many people fall overboard from cruise ships and how the Coast Guard in Miami is, you know, they're like on top of all these rescues trying to find people to save them. And they did. They just they just rescued a guy that fell overboard and he was treading water for like nine hours and the Coast Guard did a heli evacuation like just another yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly so impressed by the Coast Guard. I I have a brother that's in the army, but I think you guys might be my favorite. <laughs> Don't. <know. laughs> well, we got to get you we got to get you over here to at least come see what where we're at and what we do and everything. We would love to have I you. I would Yeah, I would absolutely love that. I love things like this. It's like I really I am so honored to have you on cuz I am such a like Coast Guard, military junkie. And I love I love this side of the maritime world. So I do have a question for like our listeners, for our female listeners. How would you say it's pretty balanced in the Coast Guard with men and women? The last time I looked at the percentage was about a year and a half, two years ago now. And we were, I think, 18 percent female. So very, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very, you know, a large difference in, in male, female. We want to say a, a huge thank you to Master Chief Becky Winus for joining us. Uh, it was a dream of mine to talk to someone from the U.S. Coast Guard, and she made that happen. Um, we had technical difficulties, which I guess is pretty common in maritime industry and yeah. clearly clearly on the base that she was at, but she's so awesome. Um, she was spent so much time chatting with us and we learned a ton. And we'll definitely have another interview. Hopefully next time it can be in person because she promised me a tour of the facilities, which I am stoked about. Stay tuned to see Malia, U.S. Coast Guard edition. <laughs> Guys, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A Huda Media Production.